what are some things that we would need to change? Hopefully none of us ever have to experience this. I don't wish this for anybody, but just what, what would you have to change in order to change your identity? Start listing some things. Let's go. Social security number for everything, right? So what else? Driver's license. Changing your name, probably not good to have the same name. We all stalk people on it, on Facebook using their your, name. Your real email address, the one that you only get out to a few people. Okay. The real, the real email address. Hey, just a little pointer. If you're interviewing and you've got some weird email address name, change it to something because if it's between you and the other person and yours is like um, chubby bunny at whatever, you're not going to get the job. So just letting you know, like it's got to be like go business there. So you get all kind of stuff in this class. What else? What are some other things you'd have to change? Location. Yeah, somewhere different. Your job. Location. Your job. Your accent. Your accent. Some, some, what it, yeah, change your appearance. What about like the internal dialogue in your own head? You've got to weave this story inside your own brain. Yeah, you got to pretend to be somebody different, right? So you can't really go around because you don't want to be found out, right? You don't want the bad guys to find you. So. Any, your family any, friend group. Uh, any online presence you have, yeah, so think about how comprehensive it is to think about changing your identity, right? And all of us have piecemealed an identity. We all, the houses we grew up in, the homes we grew up in, our siblings, our parents, our friends, the schools we went to, the things we identify, we've all kind of weave together this identity and, and what we said last week for those of you who missed that missed is that when we come to faith in Jesus Christ uh, unfortunately religion is something you add on but a relationship with God a relationship with Jesus is presented in the scriptures that is a change of a whole new identity being someone completely different there's a there's a scripture we said last week 2 Corinthians five seventeen that uh, the old has passed away and the new has become unfortunately some people make a decision for Christ or they accept Christ or, or whatever they do at church, but they never see themselves different. They're just like, you know, I'm a, I'm a better version of the old me. And that's really not it. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about being something completely different. And we said last week that all through the New Testament, Jesus didn't say, hey, I came to make you a better person. I came to help you get ahead. He, he said, I came to give you life. And, you know, we are in a, we're born in a state where we're spiritually dead. We're not... You know, we're not spiritually depressed, we're dead, and Jesus came to give us spiritual life, to infuse in us, in our spiritual DNA, something new. And when we're born again, you hear that terminology, we're born again a new creation, a new creature. And some of you would say, well, I, I think I've trusted Christ, but I, I think I'm maybe just the same person. And the, the reality is, is no, you're not. You're someone different. And so uh, I'm not here to try to convince you of that. I'm here to simply teach you what the Bible has to say about it. And then last week we said the, the word the Bible uses for this new identity is what? Saint. Yeah, we, we said saint. We said saints is not just the team that plays in New Orleans, and it's not the guy that just has a, you know, the big circle around his head. Saints are what God refers to in the New Testament to church members as saints. We're all saints. We're holy ones. We're set apart. And this is a part of our new identity. I don't, you don't have necessarily have to walk around every day calling yourself a saint. I just want you to know God sees you differently, okay? You're different. Uh, and the way we've, we've identified that through this course is we've said that there are three things we're all looking for, acceptance, security, and significance. Those things, and, and we've got these little bookmarks, and on page 33 in your book, there are these 
promises in the Bible where God has said in the New Testament that in a relationship with Jesus that he would meet all of our needs. And I want you to know God's needs that he wants to meet in your life are beyond just getting your car note paid and your house paid off and your kids raised. We all have real emotional and spiritual needs. We have identity needs. We have those. Those are not wrong, but we're all trying to fill those in different ways. And so when you come to faith in Christ, he promises to meet all of our needs, not just to, again, gas in our tank and food in our pantry, but we have legitimate needs that he can meet if we will allow him to. He can meet those needs. And we said last week, you're not rejected, unloved, or shameful. In Christ, you're accepted. You're not shameful, unprotected, or abandoned, or alone. In Christ, you're secure. And we're not worthless, inadequate, helpless, or hopeless. In Christ, we're significant. These are already true of us. And so tonight, where the gear shifts in the whole session is, great, that's cool, thanks for sharing that, wow, but how? Like, I mean, we're all practical, like how? Like, okay, so I am have a new identity, that's great, I'm supposed to be somebody different, but, but how? We want to know how. And so tonight, I'm, we're going to start talking about how, but I want you to know that even walking into it, I'm going to tell you how, but it, for, for, for some of us, it's still going to seem to be inadequate because many of us are searching for what we need to do. What do I do? And the how of the New Testament is a different how. It's not of doing. It's of believing. It's, it's believing. It's what we call it. We would refer to as faith. And so in the book on page 37, it says, what you believe is not necessarily what you think or say you believe. What you believe is actually, you know, what you do. And I think for us... We all live every day out of what we believe. Many of us talk a good game, and I'll talk about me. It's easy to sit in circles with preachers or religious people and, and talk about what we believe. But when it comes down to it, what do we really believe? It will be reflected in every day of what I do. Um, I know this is corny, but I've got to come up with a better illustration. But there's somewhere around here, there's a fire alarm. You know, like if I pull the fire alarm, some of you are just going to sit here. You're just going to sit. You're not going to move. You're like, oh, somebody pulled the fire alarm. The reason you're sitting here is you do not believe the building is on fire, right? If you did, you would not be sitting here. And so we, every day we operate out of what we believe. We may say we believe in God. We may say we value these things. But if you look at how we live, right, it really reveals what we believe. That's, it, it's what we do is what we believe. You can't, you can't get around that. Hebrews 11.6 in, in the New Testament says this, Without faith... It's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now, what I want to say about this is many of you, you're probably in here and you say, well, I've got faith, I believe there is a God. The second part of that, the challenge I have for you, do you believe that God would reward you if you earnestly sought him? Do you believe that God would reward you if you earnestly sought him? I grew up in, in a really conservative church in, you know, Probably for some good reasons, our pastors really warned us against prosperity teaching and this name it, claim it, and people running out and saying, you know, if you pray for it, God's going to bless you with a big car and a nice home and a jet plane and whatever you want. Just ask him for it. And so maybe I went so far on the other side that I remember coming to this verse and going, Lord, I believe you, but I'm, I don't believe, I really don't believe if I earnestly sought you that you would reward me. And that was, I was unable to please God because I wasn't seeking him recognizing that he still wanted to bless me, not with a big car and a big house, but meeting needs that I had, real true needs that only he created in me. And so part of that, our challenge is we all have Disney Plus. That's part of the challenge. Uh, and here's why. Because we grow up in a culture, right, who paints the picture 
of belief and faith is something that's a magical. That it's, look, if you believe it, you can achieve it. Look at this. I found this online, and I thought this was really cute. We could put it out here. And I, I've got two daughters, so I get it. So there's nothing wrong with Disney+. Plus. I'm joking. It's kind of a joke, but y'all are just like a solid, tired crowd tonight. So have faith in your dreams, and someday, you know, the rainbow will come smiling through no matter how, uh, how your heart is grieving. If you keep believing, your dreams, you know, wishes will come true. And, and so we paint it as this magical thing, but that is not biblical faith. And we'll talk about it in a few, few, few weeks about some false identities and false faiths and what they promote. But believing something doesn't make it true. This, this thing would suggest if you believe hard enough, it'll come true. That's not what we're talking about here. We're not talking about believing harder. We're talking about believing something objectively. So how do you do it? Like, what are you talking about believing? Like, believe in God and believe that he will reward you if you seek him. So faith, in defined here tonight, what we're doing, faith is finding out what is already true and making the choice to believe it, whether it feels true or not. So the critical issue is not so much what we, if we have faith or not, it's what we put it in. And so uh, all of us live by faith every day. We all do. It's not a matter of if you have faith, an atheist has faith in something. It may be his intellect. All of us place confidence in some things. And so tonight, uh, you know, I want us to talk about this. One last thing here is just, and I don't, want, I don't want you to lose sight of this. This is a choice. Faith is a choice. Choosing to believe is a choice. Sometimes we're in a situation where I don't feel like it. Circumstances don't look great. But I have promises in God's word that I have to believe, that I hold on to during those challenging times. But this, this should be freeing for some of us, but like, this idea of believing in faith is nobody can do this for you. Nobody can. It's a choice, and that's why we emphasize this. It's a choice to believe. When some, here's, it's more accurate when somebody, if you presented the gospel and said Jesus is the way and he loves you and he, he went to the cross for your sin and somebody says, I can't believe that, just help them. Just say, well, it, can, is it more fair to say that you won't believe it? Because that's more accurate to say I won't believe something than I can't because faith is ultimately it's just a choice it's just a choice you choose to believe or you choose not to believe it's not that we can't it's just that we won't and i think that's important for us even as we think about our own issues and things that we're asking god to help free in our life so i said it earlier the critical issue with faith is not so much in what you believe but who you believe in all of us today pulled up at something that looked kind of like this and when the thing changed green you trusted you trusted you had faith that the light pointing in the other direction, which you could not see, <laughs> had a red light, and you trusted that the dude on his phone doing 90, uh, checking Facebook, was going to stop before he got, to, when you pulled out, you trusted all of that. You lived by faith in a red light and a dude on his phone. Okay, you did that. So all I'm saying is think about that. Think about the choice that you made when you pulled out and just kept going. Think about that same choice when it applies to understanding and believing God's word and what he said. We all live by faith every day in different things, small things. When it comes to faith in God, he gives us something tangible. It's better than a red light. It's something more tangible, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Next week, just a little preview, Dalton Bradley is going to be sharing his story. Uh, really looking forward to that. You should be here. Uh, he's going to lead through and facilitate the last part of session two. We won't get through all of that tonight if you're in your book. We're just if, you, if you're following me now, I'm working through the first part of that, so we won't finish, but he's going to talk about next week the ways our faith grow in general. We're going to talk about how your faith grows, 
but just as a, a preview to that, um, if you have kids or you're an aunt, uncle, if you ever been around kids, you do this game where you're like, you know, jump, jump, right? You just say jump, dad will catch you. And then uh, depending on boys and girls and temperaments, because you, you got to be careful because some of these little boys are, yeah. Well, um, so you, you back up and you're like jump and, and you're building trust. And, and a child that learns that they can trust you up close will trust you also at a distance. They've learned that if I jump, dad can catch me. He's strong enough. I can be trusted. And God does that in different ways in our lives. There are small things that right now, whatever the next step is for you, whatever the small thing God is saying, would you, would you trust me for your kid's teacher? Would you trust me for the financial? Would you trust me? Would you trust me you know, for the relational thing, with the job? Would you trust me here? And if you will, and you recognize God catches you, then you go the next step in your life. You're just like, I can trust him. I can, I can trust him with, with bigger things. He, he, he's not going to barge his way in as much as he, he's wanting you to grow in your faith, grow in trust. That's what he's wanting. And, and all of us, I'll be honest, no matter how long you've been a believer, God brings you to stages in your life where you're like, and that is a long way. I, I don't know if you're going to be able to catch me. That is long. And the reason some of us are scared to jump is we've missed the small opportunities. We haven't trusted him in the small things. And then when the big things come, we go like, that's just too far. And I'll be honest with you, um, some of us, I lost my mom back in February. Uh, I think COVID's raised the awareness of just death in our culture and uh, our society. Uh, we all are going to have that ultimate test one day. We're all going to come to that place. We're going to have to jump. And, uh, and we're going to have to know in our hearts that our faith has been built to the part that we're confident, that we're confident that God's big enough to catch us. And all of that, here's what I want you to know tonight. And what I'm going to share at the beginnings of, that confidence doesn't come from just a flowery, it's not the, if I believe in God, then somehow he'll catch me. God has given us something so much more that's concrete that we can grab a hold to. For us here now, something solid. I'm, I'm a scientific-minded, I need facts. I need to know things. I need to, if I'm going to believe and put confidence, I need something more than just an, an ethereal idea. I need something. And God in his sovereignty and in the graciousness has given us all this book. And I want to show you tonight and talk about he's given us something to hold on to. And I don't mean a generalized holding up this and like, you need to believe this book. I'm talking about the stuff that's here, like the stuff that's written in here. And, and I want to talk about how that applies. So um, let's do this since y'all are such a tough crowd tonight and are some have already mentioned you need caffeine. So let's get back. Let's get back to our group time. Five minutes. Here's the, here's the, here's the pause for thought. By observing how others behave, we can discover what they really believe. I said that a little bit earlier. So come up with several examples of when what we say we believe differ from how, how we behave. Okay, and that's a word for We don't feel our way into good behavior. We believe and behave and our feelings will follow. Many of us every day, and it's tempting because we're in this body. We, we've got these senses. We wake up in these bodies with these senses and we take in things we're not even aware of, what we're taking in in our environment. And we feel certain ways and many of us live out of that every day. We're going, this must be true because I feel this way. This must be true because I feel our kids are being seduced because they feel a certain way. Culture. Culture has just 
made them feel something. They believe something about themselves. And because they feel it, that has become, in their minds, truth. It's become objective. Oh, this must be what's true because I feel this. We will destroy our lives. We will destroy the lives of our children. We will destroy this church. We will destroy this community if all we ever do is live on what we feel. We have to have something beyond that because we are not at the center. There's a God at the center, and he's not us, right? And our experiences, we have to know, are limited. We do not know all things. We don't even know everything about ourselves, much less our perception of the world. So for the last few minutes, I'm going to do something I enjoy to do. And For those of you coming here, like, where's the Bible in this? Where's the Scripture? We're going to do that. I want to do this in a really short verse. I want to, we're going to look at this. And um, it's Second Peter 1, 3 through 5. If you've got a Bible, you can open up. If you just want to look at the screen or listen to me, I just want to go really quick and look at, these, look at what this Scripture is teaching. And I'm going to talk Bible. I, I want to talk Bible for a minute because it's really the Bible talking about itself right here. So the Bible's written, inspired by God, written by men. Uh, this idea of identity comes primarily from the Apostle Paul, right? Jesus had 12 followers that he discipled, and those guys became the apostles, just in general terms. There was one guy that was not a part of the 12. He was not in the inner circle. He, he referred to himself as one untimely born. It's, it's Paul. He was Saul of Tarsus, who had a, a dramatic conversion and went on to write most of the New Testament. God inspired him. And Paul is the guy who has this in Christ identity view. Um, if you read the book of Acts, which is the church, which is about the history of the, the Holy Spirit, the history of the church birth, half of the book is a guy by the name of Peter, you know, Peter that walked on water, Peter that denied Jesus, Peter that was one of the twelve, and then is a transition to a guy named Paul. Peter taking the Bible to the original Jews who were Jesus around Jerusalem, Peter taking the Bible and the gospel to the nations beyond the Greek speaking, and we're all here from a guy named Paul. But I want you to think about Peter. This guy is with Jesus, spends the three years with him, right? Was a fisherman, uh, walked on water. He was very presumptuous. Remember, he would, he, he, he would get out in front of Jesus like many of us who, some of us have these temperaments where we get way out in front. Some of y'all are dragging behind. Some of us are out front. Peter's an out front kind of guy. And God inspires him to write these words, and these are important. So th this is Peter as an older man. He's, he's, he's writing. He's been inspired and just to kind of cut to it, there's a few verses here that open Second Peter. There's two books that Peter wrote, we know. First Peter, Second Peter. I may be missing one, but I don't think. Um, and so Second Peter, he says this. This is, this is the New International Version. There's other translations. Just watch this. We're talking about God. His divine power, God's divine power, has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him. So here's the deal. You have everything. We're, getting, we're give, being given a promise that you have what you need. All of us have what we need right now to live a godly life. And that's not just uh, spiritual needs. This is physical needs. Everything, uh, one version says, everything pertaining to life and godliness. We have all that we need, okay? And we have this through our knowledge of God. You have what you need through knowing God. And this, this idea of knowledge is not a mental ascent. It's knowing God personally and intimately. That's what we're talking about. All of us have the ability. God's a multitasker. He can have an intimate relationship with all of us simultaneously, and he has not divested himself of himself. If you've got kids, you're like, attention here, attention here, attention here, attention here, what am I doing? God can simultaneously love us all intimately, personally, separately, and he does not have to spin around. He's doing it all simultaneously. So we have 
we have everything we need. You have everything you need. I have everything through our knowledge of him. And, and look at this. Who called us by his own glory and goodness. So God is about his own glory and, our, and his goodness and our goodness. God is good. We said this. The, the only temptation is God is not full, that, that, that gets us off track is God's up to something. He's really not out what's best for you. He doesn't want to reward you. God's not for you. You can't trust him. That's the original temptation to Eve. Can God really be trusted? And that goes on today. We see it in culture. Can't believe there's a God. I don't know about God. And all of us wake up at times when circumstances aren't right going, like, are you really for me? Like this doesn't, doesn't seem like this is right. Like, is this right? Uh, but he, by his own glory and goodness, he called us. And this, this, is the, this is the meat of what I want to talk about tonight. Through these, this is through his, his glory and goodness, he has given us, watch this, these very great and precious promises. All right. He has given us very great and precious promises. And, and you would say, well, what are these promises? Well, you'll see this, but there's promises throughout the Bible, specifically in the New Testament, promises for all of us. Promise, promises to meet all of our needs, right? According to his riches in Christ Jesus. Promises to answer our prayers. Promises to give us what we need when we need it. Uh, promises to meet, again, various needs that we have. Promises for wisdom to give us when we need, oh, I've got to make a decision. There's all kind of promises, right? So look at this. He's given us these very great and precious promises so that through them, through these promises, you can participate in the divine nature. I said this last week, and this is what this class, this is why this is different. Christianity is not about you becoming a better person and trying hard to be somebody you're not. It's, out of, it's, it's about living out of this full identity as God has transformed. He made you somebody different, and now you're learning to walk in it. You get married, you come to your spouse, and you're, you're new. You're, you're, there's a new union. There's a new something that wasn't there before. You now have a marriage relationship, and you spend the rest of your life learning to walk in that relationship. The new birth is the same. You come to faith in Christ and you're married, but you've got, the, you've got the rest of your life to work out the implications of that relationship, and it's the same. So through these promises, you participate in the divine nature. You, you, you participate in the power that God has given you, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. And this is it, and this was new for me, and I'll be done. So he goes to the next verse. Look at this. For this very reason, for what very reason? For everything I just said. Because God has given us promises through our knowledge of him, we can participate with him. And look at this. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. Stop. This verse goes on to say all of these things that you're to add to your faith. To su in one translation, supplement. If you think about taking supplements, you don't live off supplements. You live off supplements, you die. You eat a good, healthy, you know, balanced diet, and you take supplements, which are better for you, right? But it says to supplement or add to your, to the, to your faith. And here's the implication. It was implied, but Peter finally stated it. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. The foundation of what we're talking about tonight is faith is a choice. You are, you are to choose to believe. These, we've got these promises on this card. And, and this, is, this is entry level because many of us don't know the promises of God. We've not read the scriptures. We're not looking for these promises. But we've got promises, y'all, that we can hold to. Um, if you've ever gone through a crisis in your life, sometimes you just need something tangible to hold on to. And it's not when I wish upon a star. It's I need a word. I need something from God that I can focus my attention on and know that God is for me and not against me. And sometimes I have to tell me, myself that over and over. God is for me and not against me. God is for that's a, that's a So when you hold to that promise, when you believe that, when you choose to believe that, 
You participate in the divine. God gives you the strength that you need to live that, to go through that experience. But for those who, those who are weak or maybe those who don't know, they're trying hard to believe. I'm trying to trust. I don't understand. It goes back to the question, like, how do you do it? How, how am I to, to put on this new identity? How am I to live out a new life? It starts by choosing to believe promises. And what we really do through the rest of the course is we start kind of looking at specific promises. We look at promises that help us with our anxiety. We look at promises that help us with depression. We look at promises that helps us with our temptation. We look at promises that helps us in, in these different areas that are very common to all of us, areas where we all get stuck, areas where we all doubt. You're not alone. We all struggle. This is not easy. It's, it's a fight of faith. Jude talks about it. it. Faith is a fight. And I think for us, we've got to recognize it. So don't be discouraged. Whatever you're going through, God has a promise for you. And sometimes that's why we need each other because you, life can be so confusing, circumstances can be so crazy that you need a friend to be able to say, hey, I've got a Bible verse for you. And sometimes somebody sends you the text or you read something and you're like, this is what I need to hold on to. This, this is what I... This is what I need to hold on to through this season of life because right now I'm struggling. I'm doubting. I'm fearing. Whatever it might be, we need his very great and precious promises so that through them we can participate in the divine nature. We can do it. We have access to it. God has given us these promises. It's not just believe in something. It's believe on truth. And this word is truth. And so the rest of this course... Dalton's going to come back next week. He's going to talk about how our faith grows. He's going to share his story about how God took him through a very dark time in his life. And it was his faith, ultimately, that prevailed. We must choose to believe these things. And again, if you're struggling to believe, we all struggle. But remember, it's a choice. And it's the power of a choice. And choosing to believe truth will transform your life. But you, you have the volitional control if you're going to do that or not. And so we just want to help you get to that place. If that's something you want to do, you can, you can choose. Now, hopefully nothing I've said tonight. That was fun. I don't ever get to do that anymore. Um, hopefully something I said tonight is helpful to you. But if you think about it, if, if any of this was new to you, then you may not have ever heard it explained that to come to Jesus initially, is, that's how you do it. You, there's promises been given where Jesus said, hey, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. There's Jesus said, if you, if you call on me, you'll be saved. And how do we, so what, what do you do with those promises? You believe it. <laughs> That's how you, you come to Christ by faith and you continue to walk in Christ by faith. The righteous, the Bible says, will live by faith. Not by sight, not by seeing, but by faith. And faith is choosing to believe what God has said. It's, it's kind of that simple. Trying to just make it clear of what we know what faith is because Faith, when we leave, is going to be defined by our culture, and people are going to be like, i got faith, you got faith. No, our faith as believers is in something very specific. It's in promises, promises that God has made. And if God said it, our challenge is, are we going to choose to believe it?